Happy National Oceans Month, everyone. Seems convenient that that happens in June. Interesting. This is Betsy, and here's what's in the vast expanse of the Popping Collars feed in the month of June 2022. Life's a Beach on this month's Popping Collars. We're once again picking songs for our annual pop and playlist. It's the only summer mixtape you'll need while lounging by the water. We'll also be deep diving on the canon when our all-star panel draft their favorite documentary movies. Greg and I are fishing for the best movies from 30 years ago on Going on 30. This month, we're looking back at my own private Idaho. Finally, the Sacred Six sails into port as Dan, Jocelyn, Simitowski, and Greg wrap up their conversation about baseball and sacraments with a poignant story of D. Gordon's home run in remembrance of his friend, Jose Fernandez. Thanks for surfing the internet waves with our Deep Blue podcast. And remember to keep those life vests on and keep those collars popped. to the sacred six sometimes an item in pop culture is just too big for one podcast episode that's where this show steps in i'm your host greg knight back with me one last time my special guest dan joslin simitowski dan you made it here we are at the end here we are we just gotta bring this one home get three outs (laughs) we can do it uh this month we're chatting about the sacrament of anointing by going in the wayback machine to september 26th 2016, when D. Gordon hit a leadoff home run in memory of his friend and Marlins pitching ace, Jose Fernandez. Before we get started, Dan, tell me you don't cry every time you watch this clip on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, they say there's no crying in baseball, but I mean, you just can't not at this. Just the the sheer emotion of the moment, the emotion of youth, right? D, D himself is a young guy. I think he's really tightly bonded with Jose Fernandez. I think probably he's looking at his own mortality and all this. His mother had actually been killed by her boyfriend. He, he's the son of Tom Gordon, the, the Red Sox closer. So he has his own tragedy in his life that there's only a decade or so behind him. Um, so there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it were just the, the right-handed batting stance, you know, to start the game against Cologne, like that tribute, sort of attention to detail of his friend who's a pitcher, right? Who's not even batting that often, right. but he's able to sort of mimic the batting stance of his friend for the first pitch. Yeah, and then not, to go not from there. Batting stance, right? Jose Fernandez has this like little knee waggle that right. <laughs> puts in there. So it's not, not an easy stance to mimic. No, not at all. It's not like, uh, what was the, what did, uh, when Jeter did, um, Omar. Yeah, Garcia Parra's stance in the All-Star game. Right, right. That one's actually a pretty easy one. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But but yeah, so, you know, even if it's just that tribute to start, like you're already kind of tearing up with the tribute part. And then to then get the home run is just, I mean, that's like I lose it every time. Absolutely. Yeah. So it should say that, uh, so Jose Fernandez, his tragedy that had happened 
before this uh, series with the Mets uh, that the Marlins were playing late in the season was a boating accident. He, uh, he died in a boating accident down here in South Florida. And it was a big deal. So I was living here in West Palm at the time. And, and all of these guys, the Marlins, the Marlins and the, oh, the Cardinals have their farm teams uh, right by me up here in Jupiter, Florida. So the Marlins players are around this area. This is where they mostly live is sort of the West Palm area. So when this tragedy happened, it was big news down here where I was. And it's just unimaginable. You know, it's just this young man who uh, had his his whole future ahead of him and it was just gone. Right. And the fact, the fact that he's a Cuban refugee and there's such a huge Cuban community, obviously, in South Florida, just and that, you know, he escaped by boat from Cuba. He rescued his mom who was going to be drowning in that. There's just so many layers of, I think, not just tragedy, but perhaps a shared trauma with a lot of the Cuban community as well. So many of them who have made these desperate escapes by boat also. Working with a lot of Cubans down here, what you know, what's always sort of a constant reminder is that the the water off the coast of Cuba coming into South Florida, it's a source of freedom and it's a source of incredible danger and death. Yeah, so there's always this this sense of um, threat and freedom that the ocean represents. Uh, Gordon has started to look like the D Gordon of last year. Gordon right. Aside from, you know, turning on the waterworks, what do you feel in the moment when D. Gordon hits the home run and then comes back to the embrace of his teammates? Yeah, it, I mean, there's such emotion in there. Um, I mean, one of the things I feel is, is, is how do you know you're going to hit that home run? Like, he could have just as easily flied out or grounded yeah. out, right? You can't, you never can plan on hitting a home run. And D. Gordon had, had power and speed, um, but he, there's so much that has to fall in place. So it's it's not just a coincidence. It feels like synchronicity. There's such a release, but it's a different kind of release versus you know winning the World Series in dramatic fashion. It's the release of mourning. Yeah, it's it's it, and it's been building because there's been all these other events. There's been the the various tributes outside the stadium. There's been this kind of ritual around the mound that they've all done before the game. They're all wearing Fernandez was number. On, on their 16. back. Yeah. So it's just, it feels like um, a way to, to both grieve and to mourn, but also to try to honor at the same time. The home run itself is dramatic. It's honestly, it's him tearing up after touching home plate and he turns and you see his face for the first time. And he's just like ugly crying. I mean, he's like, he just, yeah feels it, you know, and he just collapses into the arms of the guy that's on deck. And then, you know, eventually gets embraced by his team back in the dugout. That's the moment that just always brings it home to me. Um, But it also, the thing that I always feel in this and the thing that the reason why for as much, for as many problems as sports can have, you know, uh, as far as like the business of sports and the 
the exploitation that sometimes uh, sports can be can uh, perpetrate against its athletes or against you know folks in the system and on all of all of the problems that sports offers. The one thing that sports does have is unscripted moments. Right. Like the thing about the thing about this moment is that you're totally right. There's no reason that a home run has to happen in this moment, but it does. And that's the, that's the beauty of what sports can offer is that there can be moments that if you wrote it in a movie, someone would say, you need to take out the part where he hits the home run because that's unrealistic, right? But it actually can happen in sports. And that's, that's what I always think about whenever this moment happens is that there are these times in a game that can have a healing kind of moment that if you wrote it, it would feel forced, but you see it happen with your eyes. Like you yeah. can't, you can't take it away. You know? Yeah. There's, there's always, a, there's these narratives of redemption in sports or these other kinds of healing moments in sports that people recognize and they can see and that do something for the fans as well, whether they too are in needing of some healing or even just help them feel more than themselves, right? Part of something bigger. Uh, I think it's part of why people come back to sports. Why, why you grind it out as a faithful sports fan? Cause you don't get these real payoff moments unless you're in it, right? If, if you're a casual sports fan, you're just not going to experience this in the same way. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, well, the beauty of this moment, and this is one of my favorite moments from baseball it's a it's a leadoff hit, you know. This isn't to win the game. This isn't to like you know. This isn't some dramatic moment in the game. This is just the beginning of a regular game in September between for a for a team that is not going to go to the playoffs has no chance of going to the playoffs, and it's it's one of the most dramatic things that you could ever see. And it's you know the thing about sports is that it's easy to sort of think. If you're a casual fan, well, I don't have to watch anything because the only exciting, the only thing that I have to watch if I need to watch anything is the end, because that's that's the that's where anything exciting is going to happen. But actually, no. Um, if you if you follow the story of this, the dramatic moment can be at the very beginning. You know, whenever I see these dramatic moments, my eye watching these videos is drawn to the people sitting behind home plate or along the baselines who just aren't paying attention and you right. want to tell them like, look up <laughs> something really awesome is about to happen. And, and that's happening in this scene. There's a guy kind of over his, uh, his right shoulder. That's like looking in the other direction and you kind of want to like go back in time and tap him on the shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> like, by the way, uh, you're about to show up in a video that has, you know, what, 250 million views. <laughs> like you may want to, you may want to pay attention. <laughs> But also in baseball, it's hard to pay attention. Your eyes is always wandering around. You're seeing what's, who's in the outfield and who's being positioned where and what's on the scoreboard, right? Mm -hmm. It's a game that uh, requires attention to really pick up on those moments. Yeah, there's a lot to look at at a baseball game. That's uh, that always like that always catches me off guard whenever I'm at a game. Like, and this could be minor league parks. This could be anywhere. There's always like all kinds of stuff that's happening that if you're watching it on TV, it's just so focused and so sort of lasered in. 
that when you're just sitting there, it's just like, oh, there's there's this going on. There's that going on. There's like, you know, the left fielder is having a whole conversation with someone out in the bleachers, you know, right. at this point. And uh, yeah, there's a, there's a leisureliness to the game that it, it always makes me think that, um, you know, there's a big debate in baseball about the, the length of the games. And I agree that like baseball games are too long. If you're watching them on television, I would imagine though, that if you're actually at a long baseball game, probably doesn't feel that bad. It's probably pretty nice to just kind of veg out for four hours. You know? hey, last live baseball game I was at was actually under three hours. The watch the angels play uh, the twins and Patrick Sandoval for the uh, angels almost had a complete game shutout, but he lost in the eighth, but uh, this, game, this game was over in under three hours. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> I was back in the eighties. Right. So, uh, so how does the D Gordon home run link to the sacrament of anointing healing? I think what comes out for me is the healing happened when the emotion was expressed. Yeah. Right. Like that his crying. Yeah. Um, it was his tears. It was the anointing of his tears. Yeah. Help us all get through it. If you want to talk about another kind of quasi baseball movie here, uh, I mentioned, uh, before no crying in baseball, but you know, Goodwill Hunting is another kind of baseball adjacent movie, right? And because uh, there's this whole Carlton Fisk narrative in there, but the connection between uh, Robin Williams and Matt Damon, the, the important moment is when Matt Damon's character is actually able to cry, right? Right, like when Robin Williams keeps on telling him it's not your fault, it's not your fault. What kind of guilt maybe was D. Gordon bearing? What kind of regret was he bearing? What or the things he wished he had said, right? And he can just let all that out. Yeah. Off the arms of his teammate on the on-deck circle. Yeah, and, the, you know, the beauty of this is that in 2016, like, you have all of these ways of expressing yourself that, you know, these previous moments in history, well, with the exception of the Cubs World Series win, but everything else that we've talked about so far, like, the only real expression came through the call on the television or on the radio or in the newspaper, like whatever the columnist wrote up about it, like Mm -hmm. afterwards, this moment, this moment had to exist on Instagram. I'm sure that Stanton wrote about this moment, like, and captured, you know, a picture of D Gordon, like all of these players have a way of, they have the ability to express what they're feeling um, from this moment, but it's none of those communications about it really mean as much as the moment itself. You know, right. it's just like, you don't have to like D Gordon didn't have to tweet anything. He didn't have to put anything on his Insta. He just had to cry in the arms of his teammates. And that said everything that we needed to know in a world where we actually have constant communication at our fingertips there's sometimes uh, there's these unspoken communications or hidden communications that we can give that just that speak louder, I think, than those. Other know, things. One, one of the things we're always taught about sacraments is that sacrament involves an object and touch. There's some physicality involved. And again, the way in which you saw a group of baseball players hug each other, hold each other, touch each other, whether it was in the pregame ritual around the, mounds or the embrace afterwards um 
unique touch yeah. as well. And that, that kind of nonverbal communication. We kind of relate this sacrament to death and to grief and to this idea of, you know, losing someone special to, you know, in our lives. And that's, that's a part of this story is that it's as much as it is a D Gordon story, as much as it's a Miami Marlins story, it's a Jose Fernandez story, you know, it's right. part of that. And um, yeah. yeah. And with anointing, you know, we also talk about things being anointed with tears, right. That, and that's really true in this. We honor people with our grief as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what's what's uh, what's changed for you following this moment? You know, I was really thinking about the date. It was right before the November 2016 election, more or less. Yeah, thinking about how this was a moment that pulled people together, pulled mm-hmm. the baseball world together, and now we are here five, six years later, and really fractured, polarized world. And can baseball bring us back together? Can only grief pull us together these days? Yeah. You know, we began with way back to our first episode talking about Jackie Robinson integrating baseball, and that was a way of a national symbol of unity, helping to do something. And now here we are, you know, what, 60, 70 years later, just wondering what holds things together for us anymore. Right. Right. And, you know, we're sitting on the cusp of, I mean, so this episode airs in June. There may be people playing baseball right now. There may not be like, I mean, you know, even the sport itself is sort of torn right, right. Uh, like, at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the, these moments just feel even more precious, you know, just the sheer joy of the game, just the sheer power of the game. You know, whether it's um, whether it's a game winning home run, whether it's an error, whether it's the um, the unity of a team around another, whether it's social um, social justice in action. You know, all of these sort of moments are just they just feel really precious in a time where I think we long for these kinds of things. You know, we long for these kinds of moments. So, yeah, it reminds me of. um... Okay, speaking as a Red Sox fan, think of the Red Sox running the 21 playoffs where every time they hit a home run, they got this ride in a laundry cart. That was just kind of like this ridiculous joy. And um, the longtime Red Sox broadcaster, Jerry Remy, um, died um, right after the World Series ended, or, or actually during the World Series uh, run. And he was a very regional guy, but he brought so much fun and joy to the game. Like It was just sometimes just theater of the absurd listening to Jerry Remy. And sometimes we just, we need to find joy. Yeah. And just maybe baseball and sports doesn't need to be about deep, heavy, sacramental, spiritual, religious things, but can't give us a little bit of joy. Yeah. A release from all the other anxiety that we're carrying. I like it. I think that's a good place to end. So that's it. Ball game over. Sacred six over. All right, let's hit the showers. Popping collars wins. (laughs) (laughs) Popping collars wins. (laughs) You have that one last Yankees reference in it. (laughs) Oh, my Yankees roots come out. 
Uh, next up, we'll have a whole new set of episodes on a whole new topic. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Remind our folks one more time where you are, what you're up to. Right. So I am professor of church history and dean of community life at Seminary Southwest in Austin, Texas. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and talking baseball. I could do another six episodes. We'll have to figure out if we need to do that again. Hey, let's play two. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time. Take care.